Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the Talking Football podcast. This time we'll be taking a look back at the results from game week seven of the Premier League. Only one place to start really and that's with one of the games that we actually highlighted in our game week preview. And that was Aston Villa 3, Southampton 4. Southampton racing into a four goal lead with four exquisite goals and then Aston Villa somehow making the scoreline look somewhat respectable and finishing 4-3. And Carl, that was a game that you picked out. Uh, yeah, um, I knew it was going to be a good game because you've got two informed teams. I knew it would be a, a good a good watch, but I didn't expect a seven-goal thriller. And when I was looking, I saw the half-time result and I saw that Southampton were 3-0 up and then... Four, four nil up at, um, going into the last sort of uh, half an hour of the game, I, I was I was shocked and yeah, and then when I saw the full time result, I was shocked again that Aston Villa managed to sort of make it seem um, a bit more respectable um, score line uh, late into stoppage time, um, but couldn't manage out to scrape out the draw. Southampton fans will be pleased when they look at the table, because they currently lie in fifth place. However, I don't see them staying there because their defence, even though they've got one of the best strikers in the league in, in Danny Ings and one of the best dead ball specialists in James Ward-Prowse, to, con- to concede three goals, having been 4 nil up. I'd imagine that when they started to concede, they obviously thought, it was already game over, and it was. But to still let in three goals, and two goals in added time, that's not a good trait to have. So I don't see them staying there, but that was certainly the standout result of the of the game week for me, to be fair. Yeah, um, I think with Hassan Hootel's play, he's going to get goals, but they need to back that up on the defensive side. And to concede 12 goals already this season... They're going to struggle with that record to stay in a European spot, maybe. Um, but I've, I can see them finishing top half, um, but I can't see them pushing into the Europe spots. One club that I would say does have quite a good shot at the top four this season is Leicester City, and they were the only other away side, actually the only other team in the league to score four goals in the game week just gone in their awesome 4-1 win over Leeds United. Harvey Barnes scoring in the first 90 seconds, I think it was. Arguably, the result of the game week, if you look at the form that Leeds were in going into their game, obviously, they beat Aston Villa 3-0 a week ago with Bamford's hat-trick, who missed a sitter in the first minute of the game. But Leicester, for me, had a good window and they've started off strongly second place at the moment. If they hadn't have somehow lost 3-0 at home to West Ham, they could be top, arguably. So that's another game of the week for me. Uh, yeah. Um, I think it's hard to look past teams that can put four goals um, away from home uh, and say that they can't be a top team of the week. I mean, you've got Jamie Vardy there scoring again at Leeds. 
by Danny Ings just to every game week you can sort of count on him to get a goal maybe two and it's good to see sort of like Yuri Tielemann, um sort of showing off the potential that he had at, in Belgium and then he went off to Monaco and Leicester City snapped him up um, and he's now showing the potential that he has getting two goals there as well so so yeah like Leicester they, they, they should be pushing for a Europa League spot at least if not they, they can easily push for a Champions League spot as well with the goals of Jamie Vardy Let's look at the other Monday night game and then that was a real battle towards the bottom of the table Fulham beating West Brom 2-0 at home with two strikes in the in the space of five first half minutes, Ola Aina scored an absolute screamer with his weaker left foot. And somehow, Fulham, I'd say, have been the worst team in the league so far. And then pick up the first one of the season and go from bottom to 17th outside the bottom three. So that could arguably kickstart their season. And we all know that points equals motivation. Um, and to get three points against a, arguably a relegation rival, that's only going to breed confidence throughout the team. I think we said in a previous episode, um, on paper, Fulham have a decent squad. Maybe this could be the start of them gelling together and pulling out some performances this season. As for West Brom, again, we said it in another episode, I think they're going to rule not going for an out-and-out number nine that's of decent quality to get them the goals. They played Calvin Grant, albeit a top-quality championship striker. He's never really been in the Premier League. He already had six months with Huddersfield, but this is his first sort of full season, so you can't really count on him to get your goals week in, week out. So, and then not going for a a top quality striker might be a downfall for them this season. Let's go back to the start of the game week then with Wolves beating Palace 2-0 in a really comfortable match. But I want to focus on the Saturday games for now because Kyle Walker scored the only goal against his old side as Man City took three points with a 1-0 win at Bramall Lane to leave Sheffield United ninth in the table. But sorry, 19th in the table, but Chelsea, 3-0 away at Burnley. I think Ziyech got his first goal. Yeah. And that'll do him the world of good. And another clean sheet for a side who are seeing six or seven new faces thrown straight into the starting eleven. It's it's not bad for Chelsea at the moment. I think they've finally got a keeper that they can count upon now in Mendy. And once you've got a keeper that the defence can rely upon, they're going to back him up uh, in every situation, as well as the keeper backing them up if they make a mistake or two. And having that, it just breeds confidence throughout the full team. And like you said, yeah, getting getting his first goal uh, for Chelsea, but yeah, will do him a world of good. Also, Wolves beating Palace, I think that's quite a good result because Palace going into this were in a pretty good spell. Um, you know, they've drawn out a few sort of good results recently and Zaha being on fire. So to keep them to to a clean sheet um, 
again, will only breed confidence throughout that Wolves team. Daniel Purden uh, starting to prove his worth to the team uh, now, uh, week in, week out, now that Jota has gone um, and getting the goal again will only breed confidence for him in the rest of the Wolves squad. Yeah, Wolves are kind of a funny one because they somehow missed out on the Europe League spots after a crazy long 19-20 season. They currently sit sixth and if they hadn't have dropped those two points at home to Newcastle not long ago, they would be well inside the top four as it stands. So I am probably going to back them to be up there towards the end of the season considering all the other so-called big six teams have all got Champions League or at least Europa League football every well every week up until Christmas and beyond. But I want to talk about the champions for a bit because they struggled again this weekend. They beat West Ham 2-1 at Anfield. Had to come from behind though. And it, and it isn't the first time that they fall behind this season. Van Dijk's injured. Nat Phillips came in for his Premier League debut though and I I think he, he, he had a proper solid game in fairness. Yes, he went behind early on but that was more because of Gomez's error at the back. They did respond well though. Is Jota getting the winner after having one ruled out? He's he's becoming a good signing. It's but top of the tree as it stands, but I'm I'm yet to be convinced by them this season. Seems that they've got a couple of young players that can fill the void that uh Van Dyke is going to leave. Um, but obviously when Matip comes back, um, I'm sure it'll be Gomez and Matip for the majority of the season. If Liverpool keep conceding the goals they are doing, um, I can't see them finishing the season as champions. Um, but champions grind out results. When you think they're down, they, they find some like form in the last sort of ten minutes to turn the game on its head and and win the game, which is what what they did against West Ham. So yes, they're conceding a lot, but they're scoring one more goal than the other team. That's going to get three points, and three points gets you up near the top of the league. So it's a funny one with the four at the minute. It's worth giving. West Ham a bit of praise as well, though, to be fair, because they drew 1-0 at home to Man City last weekend. Almost held on for another point at Anfield. They've beaten Leicester 3-0 this season. Wolves, I think it was 4-0 in another incredible match. So, in all fairness to West Ham, they're not as bad as a lot of people are making out, especially a lot of the fans. And Farnell's got the opening goal. He, I think I'm right in saying that he was injured a lot last season alongside Lanzini. Yeah. So if they can keep all their forward thinking players fit and if Haller can start scoring again then West Ham have got have got a shout to be in for a decent season to be fair. But let's go on to Sunday's game and another two one. Probably the the most surprising result of the weekend for me. Newcastle two, Everton one. Everton's second loss in a row 
finish their second game in a row that Hammers Rodriguez has either been injured in or hasn't featured. So for him to miss only two games so far this season and for them to lose both games, that's a bit of a worry for me, but I'd rather focus on the positives and that's Newcastle and Callum Wilson because Bruce is getting a lot of stick from fans from Newcastle and in the league in general to be honest about his defensive style of play and how he how he's basically relying on Sam Maximan and Callum Wilson to win him the games of football but it worked this weekend. Exactly yeah um, I think Bruce knows what he's doing and he will get relegated with this Newcastle squad. I think fans Yes, all right, they're not seeing the exciting football that Newcastle fans saw in the 90s um, in the early 2000s with, with the likes of Alan Shearer, etc. Um, so I think they're going to have to be patient with Bruce. He knows how to grind out results because of his experience uh, of the Premier League. And they've got a top-quality striker in Callum Wilson um, and feeding off the creativity of St Maximan. Uh, as as we saw on the weekend, just gone, it's going it's going to get them goals. And I, th- I think winning this game against Everton that that's going to be a whole world of good for this Newcastle squad. Because um, like like you said, Everton going into this game was probably one of the informed teams, arguably one of the best teams in the league at the minute. But yeah, without James Rodriguez, it looks like Everton sort of back to where they were last season without that creative pivot point that Hammers has been this season. So without him, it looks like they're going to struggle. Hopefully, for in Everton's respect, that that's not going to be for too long and they can have him back as soon as possible. But if it's a longer spell out for Hammers, then it could be a bit of a worrying spell for Everton um, after a, a, a good, uh, positive start. I've left the two North London clubs until last because I want to talk a bit about Spurs in a minute. But Arsenal's 1-0 win against Man United at Old Trafford, I think it's the first time they've won away against the top six club, as you were saying, just before we came on air. I think it was the first away win against the top six sides in five or six seasons. What are you saying? Uh, yes, in 2015, yeah. Yes, that just speaks for itself. And Mikel Arteta... He won the FA Cup last season, beat a big six side there. And he's done the same again, to be fair. He beat Liverpool in the Community Shield. Whether that's important to the fans or not, it's still a good result. Drew in the actual game, but obviously won on pens. But to go to Old Trafford after Man U smashed Leipzig 5-0 a few days earlier in the Champions League, to then turn them over in the same stadium, 1-0. You don't hear or, of, or see Arsenal winning games 1-0 against any of the smaller clubs. So to do it against one of your top four, top six rivals pretty early on, on in the season, only bodes well for them, to be fair. That man again, wasn't it? Aubameyang, um, sort of been... Sort of the main focal point of the Arsenal of um, the last sort of couple of years, 
if you feed him, he'll score. Hopefully, this can be a little kick on um, from an iffy start for Arsenal. You know, winning four games, losing four after the week just gone. Uh, sorry, losing three, sorry, uh, after the week just gone. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, beating, finally getting that monkey off the bat, beating a big six team away from home is only going to breed confidence. But Man U, it's again, you know, the, looking at the table, the, the line in 15th, only won twice this season, um, you know, off the pitch sort of uh, question marks with a few of the players. Is it going to be one of those seasons for Man U um, where they're, they're going to struggle to get to where we've seen them, you know, last sort of like early noughties, 90s period where they'll just first to second, first to second. Um, and they're they're going to be struggling to get back up there this season, I feel. The Sky commentators like Tim Cahill and Roy Keane, Tim Cahill said that there's, there's no leaders on that pitch. Um, and I, I sort of agree with him in, in that respect, that, that no one's willing to sort of grab the game by the scruff of the neck and, you know, put in even just a hard tackle uh, just to spark some change in a game, which is what it needs. And I, I, I don't see who's going to do that for Man U uh, when, when I look at the team. Harry Maguire's there, yeah, he, he can do that, but he, he's not been himself that got him the move away from Hull to Leicester and also what inspired Man U to pay £80 million for him. Um, you look elsewhere who's going to sort of be that player and there's no one shouting out to me that's going to be the the player to inspire a change when they're seen down and out I can't really agree with that to be fair so the final game that we're going to talk about only one game left and I've left this until the end because it was full of a bit of drama there were two contentious penalty shouts Harry Kane got a lot of stick for, a lot of people have said, buying the penalty. But in, in all honesty, in my opinion, that's just good striker's play. He backed into Lallana, who did jump a bit early, to be fair. Led with his arm a bit, but you can't blame the striker for giving the referee, and of course, VAR nowadays a choice to make because it's their choice. There was certain contacts, we can't argue about that. Lana was behind him. It was just inside the area on the line equals inside the box, which a few people online have been a bit upset with, but the rules are the rules. And then he's obviously stuck it away. But Gareth Bale, for me, this is the headline of the weekend. Gareth Bale scoring the winner, his first Goal in his spare shirt since he returned, of course. His first, I believe, in seven years since he left for Real Madrid. Cracking header, if you haven't seen it. Ball mm-hmm. came in from Regulon, I think, who was also, of course, another summer signing from the Spanish Giants. Mm-hmm. Call it ball in. Poor defending and marking from Brighton's point of view because he was in about five yards of space, about 10 yards out. You can't really afford to give anyone in the Premier League that much time and space especially not Gareth Bale, but he stuck it away. So Spurs won that 2-1 in the end. Rather, rather fortunate 
Yes, but that took them second momentarily until Leicester bought them down to third. But it's not been a bad start to the season for Spurs if you take away the 1-0 opening day defeat to Everton. So Spurs, they make headlines because Jose is the boss. Kane's England's leading striker. I mean, however well Danny Ings plays in a Southampton shirt, I think it's safe to say that if Kane's fit, Southgate for England is always going to put him in that central role in the front three. So Spurs third in the table. They might go a bit under the radar because everyone's going to talk about Liverpool because of the champions in City because they still can't win games of football convincingly and they haven't signed a striker to back up Aguero and Jesus who are both obviously injured. But Tottenham, I wasn't impressed with them this weekend in the 2-1 win, but they got the job done and that's all Jose and any gaffer in the world, to be fair, will will care about. Exactly, yeah. We said it about Liverpool that they're a top side and they can grind out results. So if Tottenham can match that, they'll be up, up there at the top of the season, um, at the top of the league this season. Um, and yeah, it's refreshing to see Gareth Bale find, finally score at Tottenham uh, after his uh, summer move. You can argue about the penalty, but you know, if, if the player's jumping into the back of the striker, the striker's going to go down. Um, any striker would go down. And I think Brighton fans would have been shouting for that penalty if it was on... Um, if it was on Trossard, so it's only right that Spurs fans are going to say that that's a penalty as well when it's on Kane. You sort of saw this last season when Brighton go behind, they don't seem to be able to pull it back. Um, all right, they got the goal uh, with Harry Clancy, but you just if if you go if if Brighton go behind, you can sort of bag on them not drawing out a win, um, which. Is only going to put you in one position, and that's a relegation battle. So it could be the same this season as it was last. But I do like Brighton's team. I like their style of play. Um, if they can change that sort of atmosphere of when they go behind, you know, kick on and grind out a result, and maybe missing uh, Neil Morpai up up front at the minute, but still, they've still got. Danny Welbeck on the bench, who's a Premier League experienced striker. So they just need to change that atmosphere, I think, at Brighton for them to sort of like be in sort of like a mid table battle rather than a relegation battle. So there you have it. We've covered all 10 Premier League game week seven fixtures. Before we look at the table briefly and then believe you I just want to ask you for your performer of the weekend and for me it's hands down has to be James Ward-Prowse he got one assist from a free kick for Vesta Guard's header and then he stuck two free kicks away himself and I saw a stat um, literally as the game was happening and he's now converted 12.5% of all free kicks he's taken in the Premier Southampton I think he's got eight now, which which is a club record. Southampton, as I said earlier, aren't gonna be in the in the um European spots come the end of the season. But if, if James Ward Prowse 
puts in those kind of performances, say, every other match, which I think he has been doing, in fairness, and that's why he's in the England squad. If we can keep up this form until the end of the campaign, one, one of the so-called big six teams have to come knocking. Uh, so for me, he's the hands-down standout player of, of the weekend. Uh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, it's hard to look past the player who can score two goals and get an assist and not for them to be considered a um, player of the week. Um, and like you say, I th- I th- I'm surprised Southampton kept him for this season, to be honest, because even in Project Restart, he was you know, getting assists, he was getting the odd goal or two. Um, and I'm surprised like a, a, a Man City or a Liverpool uh, didn't go for, for him because it, it, it's clear to see that he's got quality. Um, or even a Man U, sorry, who's sort of missing that midfield dictator. Um, it, it's clear to see that he's got talent um, and he's now showing it uh, for Southampton. But I also want to give a shout out to Callum Wilson as well. Um, you know, two goals on the weekend after a, a difficult season last season. Um, and now he's in a, a new place, a new start, um, and he, he's, get, he's getting a few goals this season. So it's good to see him get another two um, and sort of like carry on this sort of form that got him into the England squad to start off with a few seasons ago. Another player who's been spoken about quite a lot, and I, I actually chose him as my number two transfer of the summer, and that'll come out in an episode, which which should be out for you early next week. But this is Thomas Partey at Arsenal. Didn't score or assist, but playing as a CDM, his job is to break up the play and to stop Pogba, Fernandez working those little triangles with Rashford or Martial or Cavani, who came on, of course. So Thomas Partey, for me, he's never going to get the headlines for scoring winners or anything like that. But Arsenal have long searched for someone to just do the ugly side of the midfield game. And Thomas Partey put in an outstanding performance, to be fair. I think he had the most interceptions in the game, the most forward passes in, in the Arsenal midfield, inside his own half, into the opposition half. And that's all Arsenal need. I think he won the most aerial duels outside the penalty area, barring up, obviously centre-halves, because that's their, their main job. But Thomas Partey, for me, also put in a good performance again. Uh, yeah, um, I, I think I think Arsenal found their replacement for Gilberto Silva. Um, again, in a similar sort of mould, he never really got goals to win games. Um, but I think Arsenal fans can say that Gilberto Silva was always a solid 8, 9 out of 10 player week in, week out because of what he did for the team. Um, and it seems that Thomas Partey is doing doing that job. He's, he's doing that role that not many players like to do. Um, I think I can only think of one or two in the Premier League that are sort of similar to him in like Fabinho or um, or Rodri. Um, so so you're putting it partly in in that bracket of you know top class players there. Um, and he seems um, 
seems to be fulfilling that uh, accolade. So then, just to finish off, I'm going to read through the Premier League table for you. Maybe not all 20 teams, because it'll be hard to keep a mental image, but top four is Liverpool, Leicester, Tottenham and Everton, then Southampton, Wolves and Chelsea, just outside of the Champions League spots as it stands. Arsenal and Man City are down in ninth and 10th. Man U still languishing deep down in 15th. Fulham escaped the relegation zone for now. Uh, their win over West Brom taking them up above the baggies, in, baggies into 17th, which means West Brom, of course, fall into 18th. Sheffield United, rather slow start to the season for them in 19th. And Burnley already looking like it might be a long, hard season for them with no fans at Turf Moor, right down at the bottom of the pile in 20th. So that's it. We've covered all 10 game week, seven matches for you. If you agree with what we said, then drop us a line on social media. And if not, you're probably going to do the same anyway. So until next time, guys, see you later. See ya.